Radio Free Brooklyn and staff or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? You are all blessed in the name of Jesus, right? I trust you all had a wonderful week. Whatever you were doing, I pray that it was to the glory of the Lord. So can I just tell you before we start our journey today, I'm feeling really tired. And I don't know if I'm feeling tired. I was just actually sitting here as I was praying because I always pray. Well, I don't call it, 
when I have conversations with God, I don't call it prayer. It probably is prayer, but because I'm talking to him constantly, it doesn't seem like prayer. It just seems like I'm having an open conversation with him, just like you would a friend. You know, you just you just talk. And I was sitting here and I was just talking to him. And I was just saying how tired I was. I'm tired physically. I'm tired mentally. And I'm just tired. I don't want to do anything. And that's what I was saying to him. I was like, Lord, I know you have me to do things, but I don't want to do anything anymore. I don't feel like doing anything. And I'm wondering how many of you also feel like that sometimes that you just get to the point where you're like, you know what? I don't feel like doing it. And I don't know if it's because. I don't know if it's because for so many years, there were so many things that I had to do. And you pushed yourself because you knew you had to do it, whether it was take care of your family, raise your children, go to work every day just to take care of yourself. It's just so many things you had to do that I think I'm getting to the point where, and it could just be a phase that I'm going through because, you know, we go through phases, but I'm to the point where right now, or at least today, I don't feel like doing anything and I don't want anybody to want me to do anything. And I don't know if that's bad or good. But, and then I said too, and which the spirit reminded me, maybe there's just too many things on my plate can we sometimes put too many things on our plate that after a while we just get full? Like think about your plate when you make it for Thanksgiving and you see everything you're like, Oh, I want it. I want to taste everything. So you pile everything on your plate. Or even if you go to a a buffet, I don't even know if people do buffets anymore because of this whole COVID thing, but just think about back in the day when you used to go to a buffet, you used to pile everything on your plate. But then when you sat down and you just started eating a little bit of everything before you knew it, you were full, but the plate was still full. And I think that might be what it is. I think that I've put so many things on my plate and I'm trying to eat of it all. But now I'm getting full and the plate is still full. I don't know. Something to think about. Ponder that. Next week, I'll uh, I'll come back and ask you guys what you think of what I just said. You can give me your opinions of what you feel like, you know, what I'm talking about. You could tell me whether you felt like that yourself or if it's just me going through a phase. Yeah, think about that for me. And get back to me next week. Next week, we'll open up the mic and I'll I'll uh, I'll answer that. You know, I'll let you guys answer that for me. But today. We've all heard the scripture faith without works is dead. Right. And I think it all correlates together because I was like, why am I feeling like this? And only to now, you know, you guys know, I always write my show way before I come here on Sunday. I write it before the spirit tells me you know, what I'm going to talk about. But now it's like, now that I'm feeling this way and I've just started talking out loud, sharing it with you guys and not just sharing it with God, it does fall in line with what I'm about to talk about. Because we've all heard the scripture, faith without works is dead, right? James 2, 17 tells us, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So, Here's my question to you. What exactly is works? Like, really, what are works? And works are the actions that you put behind everything that you think about having or doing when you use it in context with the scripture, because it says faith without works is dead. So if we have faith for something, it's telling us here that we have to put actions behind everything that we're believing to be, right? Everything that we're believing that we want and everything that we're believing that we have to do. 
So when you think about it, you could believe God for everything in your life. Everything in your life you could believe God for. But if you don't put the actions behind your beliefs, will they ever come to fruition? And I think about this, every time I think about this, the first person that pops into my head, and this I feel so bad for this man because we're always talking about him. The man at the pool of Bethesda. <laughs> we always want to talk about him when it comes to not doing something or doing something, right? But his story is way deeper, and I was... Uh, we'll do that another show, his story. But for today, we're just going to use his surface story. And the example is like, okay, he was in need of healing, right? He was sitting at the, he was sitting at the water, you know, every so often the angel would come down, trouble the water. And if you got into the, the water that was troubled, you would be healed. So here it was, this man was in need of healing, but because his actions were slow. He was slow in getting to the water after the angel had troubled it. He kept missing his blessings. So he was there for years and couldn't get healed. Right? Look that up. If you want to know more about that story, look it up. I want you to do your own research. I'm not even going to give you the scriptures where it's found. I want you to do some deep dive research and look up. Go to uh go to your concordance. Type into your Google, whatever, man at Bethesda, man at the pool of Bethesda, and find it. And now, so he couldn't get his healing because he didn't move to get into the water quick enough, right? Or it's like a farmer wanting corn and never planting it. But every time he's looking at his harvest, he's like, oh, I wish I had some corn, but he's never planting it. He's never planting it. So all the prayers in the world is not going to yield corn for that farmer. If he never plants any, right? Or you're looking to get corn, but you're planting carrots. Now we know that's not going to work. So one has to ask themselves, what am I doing that I keep getting everything else but what I want? And so I put this question to you today, as I always do. I always have to give you something to think about. If I'm thinking about things, you need to be thinking about things. What seeds are you planting in your life that keeps yielding things that you don't want? And that brought me back to what I started talking about in the beginning, how I'm feeling so tired and I just don't want to do things anymore. There's just some things I just don't want to do. I don't feel like doing it. So I asked myself the question, what seeds am I planting in my life? that keeps yielding things that I just don't want to do anymore. So it brings us to our topic today, titled, How Does Your Garden Grow? Hmm. And we're not talking about Mary Mary Quite Contrary's garden, right? We're talking about your garden. So anything that you are looking to receive from God you must first start out by planting a seed, right? Think about it. Before you actually decided to give your life to Christ, somebody planted a seed in your head that there was even a God. Then someone else might have planted another seed about his son. 
And then you became curious. You became open. God saw that you were open to allowing him to show you him and his son. Whereas God shows us himself every day. So it's not even a thing of we have to be open to see him. Because if you opened your eyes this morning, and I'm going to take it back very basic. If you opened your eyes this morning, if you can hear the sound of my voice, whether you believe in God or not, God already showed you who he was. Even without believing in him, even without knowing of him, if you could hear anything, see anything, feel anything, he already showed you his goodness because he allowed you to see another day. So when we come back to the thing of the planting, when you're looking to receive something from God, you must first start with planting a seed. You plant the seed believing that the one who gave you the seed will allow that seed to grow into what you're looking to receive. And this I take Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. So I ask you again, how does your garden grow? What are you planting knowingly and unknowingly that will one day produce a harvest that you are either looking for or in some cases not looking for? Is your life full of, filled with confusion and discord? Perhaps it's because of all the negativity that you spread around the workplace or in your family or Amongst your friends, remember, what you are living out at this moment in time is the harvest of the seeds that were planted some time ago. Now, I can't say when you planted them, right? But just know you planted them. Yes, sometimes things do come upon us as trials to see, you know, if we're really trusting in the Lord. But some of the seeds, some of the things that we're reaping right now is seeds that we scattered that we didn't even know we were scattering. And it's important that we're aware of all that we do and say. Because, you know, in Judgment Day, we're all going to be held, we're all going to be held accountable for it. And when I think about that, when I think about the fact that I'm going to be held accountable for half the stuff that I did, it makes me afraid to even want to go to heaven. Seriously, if you really thought about it, yeah, we all talk about, oh, we can't wait. Oh, it's going to be such a glorious day when Jesus comes back. Oh, we're so excited. But are you really excited? When you think about, ooh, when I think about the things I've done, the things I've said, the people I might have hurt? Yes, God has forgiven me. Yes, he forgives everyone. Yes, he gives us a clean slate. Yes, our name is written in the book of life because Jesus stands in the gap for us for all our sins. Yes, yes, and yes. 
But it doesn't mean that we didn't do it. See, that doesn't mean that we didn't do it. Just because Jesus is standing there in the gap for us, we know that he took the punishment, but him taking the punishment still doesn't mean that you didn't do it. And sometimes I think about that. I'm like, ooh, yeah, he took the punishment for me, but I did still do that. It just makes you think about yourself and it makes you think about how you, re- how you act and react to things going forward if you're really taking this Christ's work seriously. So, just like you reap everything negative that you've done, there's always the flip side of that coin. And I haven't used that phrase in a long time. But you know how I like flipping that coin. The same goes for everything good that, that's working for you in your life, right? The results of the good in your life, all the good that you've spoken to people, all the good that you've done towards people. And then I'm saying, I'm not saying that your works is what gets you into heaven because a lot of people have that misconception that your works will get you into heaven. No, we already know that. We've already dispelled that myth. The only thing that's getting you into heaven is belief in Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed on the cross. Like I said, to stand there for your sins that you're totally guilty of, but God is not seeing them because his son is there. So, Don't think that when I say when you do good for people and you're reaping good, oh, it's because, no. What I'm saying is your works does not have anything to do with your getting into heaven. What I'm saying is your works of what you've planted is now you're reaping the good of what you've planted. You sow good, you're going to reap good, right? That was the flip side of the coin of the negativity. And it just, It's just now coming to you, you know, because we don't know when you planted those seeds of good either. You can't recall when you planted all the seeds of good. Sometimes you do good and you don't even know you're doing good. But know that you will be blessed for it because you've already planted that. So with seed time and harvest, it's just nature. You plant something, something's going to grow from it. And it all goes back to what was stated in Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So let me be clear. When we plant seeds, it's not always literally a seed being placed in the ground. And that's when I was saying with the words that you speak, the actions that you might have taken, good or bad. So if we look at our words as seeds, then we need to be careful of what we say. Because God even said, God himself said that his words would not return to him void. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So let's think about this. The words that we release into the atmosphere have to do something. Because when God said that, yes, anything he said, he brought it to pass and it happened. But you know what? Aren't we just his creation? So if we're his creation, don't the words out of our mouth have the same power? I'm not saying we're God. That's not what I said. I said, don't the words out of our mouth have the same power as the words out of his mouth if we're his creation? 
Think about it. When God speaks, it happens. When you speak, it happens. And if that weren't true, I'm going to give you, for those of you who might say, oh, now she's saying that we're on the same level as God. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if it weren't true, then why would he warn us about what we say with our tongues? If what we spoke would not come to pass as his words when he speaks comes to pass, why would he warn us about the power of our tongue? Why would he warn us about life and death being in your mouth? Why would he warn us of that if it were not true? Right? Why would he warn us of that? And he talks about, we'll do a little part on James. I want to go into James and talk about the power of the tongue. Because I always touch upon James and I use different verses from James to tell you or show you how the power of the tongue and, you know, the words that you speak and what they mean and stuff. But we will go into James one show (laughs) because I think it's very important not for me to just skip upon the topic, but to really dive in and let you know just how powerful your mouth is. And I don't think a lot of us realize that. I realized that from an early age. Honestly, I didn't realize that, I did not realize that God would use my mouth the way he is using it today No, when I was younger, I didn't realize that. And even when I got saved when I was younger, I still didn't realize that. But what I did realize is that when I opened my mouth, I did change things. That I learned from an early age. My speaking, saying something negative or good, it changed things. It was powerful. I had people listening. I could get people to listen and I could get people to react. And that could be a scary thing if you're someone who wants to manipulate. I wasn't the manipulating type. I was the type that I didn't even want to be around other little kids. I mean, I was a strange individual, and we won't even go into that because that's a whole nother story in itself. But I was very shy. Anybody that knows me from being a little girl knows that I was so shy. I was afraid of everything. When I say everything, I didn't like, I did not like loud noises. Don't have too many people. I still don't like crowds. I still don't like crowds. Yes, when I used to party and hang out, I would go to parties. But even in the parties, it had to be certain parties. Certain individuals were going to be there. It wasn't like what the kids do or were doing years ago with going to raves and just this mass crowd of just, or when they go to these, um, I don't know, Coachella things. And it's just mass crowds of just people. Oh, you would never catch me in anything like that. And not that it's anything bad. There's nothing wrong with things like that. If you enjoy it, I wasn't the type to like crowds. I still, like I said, I do not like crowds. I don't like to be, in the middle of a whole massive amount of people. I don't like it. That's why I I know I probably told you the story of like even me traveling on the train to go to work. If the train was too crowded, I didn't care how many trains I let go by. I wasn't getting on it. I'm not squishing into 
there was never some place that I had to be that I had to squish into a train that it was like, oh, if I don't get in this train, I'm not going to be on time because I always left in plenty enough time. I didn't care how many trains I let go by. They're like, you're not going to get on uh, uh, squish into a train. Are you nuts? Maybe if I was with a group of my friends, we might have squeezed into a train, but squeezing in was us squeezing in. So we were squeezed on each other, not me squeezing into a train that when the doors open, there is nowhere to squeeze. And you see how some people still used to this was back in the day. I don't know if they still do this post COVID, but I know before the pandemic, especially the four train notorious for being squeezed. Oh my gosh. That train that Lexington Avenue line notorious you that as soon as the doors open people was in there like sardines and i'm like where where is anyone going where is anyone going that people are still trying to squeeze in i don't like situations like that i never did but i say all that to say from a young girl i knew that my mouth was going to be something i knew it i didn't know what it was but I knew that it was going to be something. Lo and behold, yes, I developed into what I am now. But I've always had this gift when it comes to talking. Always had the gift when it came to talking, reasoning, debating. Like I loved, I was on the debate team. I loved being on a debate team. And it's not that I'm argumentative, but if you're saying something and we're having a conversation about it, I like that back and forth of a conversation. I like that because to me, it enlightens me too. Because sometimes you may say something, I'm like, hmm, you know, I never looked at it that way. And then I'll go home and I'll ponder and I'll be like, wow, was it really so? Or, you know, is that, could that be true? And then I have to, of course, investigate and find out. But the whole thing of it was anything that had to do with communication and speech, that was going to be my arena. I knew that from a young child. So I say all that to say to bring it back full circle. God does tell us that we can bring life and death through our mouth. So if it were that faith without works is dead, and in order for your works, part of your works could be the planting of seeds because you want to reap what you've sowed. Then I ask you, how does your garden grow? Interesting. Think about it. How does your garden grow? And with that, we're going to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. What Brooklyn sounds like. I'm 
The heavens tell the story The skies above proclaim The earth declares the glory The name above all names You are Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now, I have gotten a lot of requests for from listeners so that asking me, I'm getting tongue-tied now, asking me to tell the name of the artist of the songs that I play because some of the songs a lot of you like and you're not sure who, you know, singing the song. So 
I've decided to now let you know the artists that I play. And I try to play new artists that aren't, you know, they just aren't showcased all the time. And sometimes they're old. Sometimes they're new songs. It just depends. Today, of course, you know, we started out with Grace making changes, the opening theme song. And in our music break, we had Open, which was by Low Worship. That's the name of the group. And the one we just heard was I Will Worship by Eric Nader. Okay. So now you know, and I think every week I'm going to just tell you who the artists are of the songs that I'm playing. But in that little music interlude that I give, the Lord brought to my remembrance Galatians 6, 9. And it states, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So that was just putting the icing on the cake from what I was talking to you guys about with the planting and the sowing and the reaping and in what I was saying about just being tired and not wanting to do anything. He gave me a scripture for me to hold on to. And see, that's God will work like that. You talk to him, tell him how you're feeling, and before you know it, he's giving you an answer. That's why I say it's not when I have my, when I'm talking to him, it's not like I'm prayer, you know, on my knees all the time. Because I could just be walking down the street, standing on the grocery line, and having a conversation with him, and nobody even knows that I'm talking to him. Because that's the way I keep my line of communication open with him at all times. Because that's when I'm going, that's where my help comes from. So now it is time for the part of the show. I just thought I'd share that with you guys, what he gave me to hold on to. In case someone else was feeling the way I was feeling, that's for you too. Galatians 6 9. So now it's time for the part of the show that I call Op Ed. And in op-ed today, of course you know, of course you know, I cannot talk about anything in op-ed without bringing up, especially because this is Black History Month. The Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl is going to be played today. The Philadelphia Eagles are going against the Kansas City Chiefs. And what's making this so historic in this Black History Month, this Super Bowl 57, I believe it is 57. I'm, I don't know. I could be wrong. I think it's 57. The first time two quarterbacks of color are playing against each other. We have a black quarterback in the Philadelphia Eagles. And we have a biracial quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone's billing it as the first two black quarterbacks. Oh, I can't believe it's the first two black quarterbacks. And the reason why this makes it so historical is because 70% of the quarterbacks in the league are white. Today, there's 11 starters. Back in the day, they didn't even have Hardly any starters. And there was one, and I meant to look him up and see this is where I 
drop the ball on the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl? I think it was Moon was his name. I think, was it? I'm not sure. I know somebody with sports, some sports aficionado is going to be like, what is she talking about? She doesn't even know what she's talking about when it comes to the Super Bowl. You're right. I'm not going to argue with you with that. But I do know it's the first two black or the first two men of color playing against each other today. That part I do know. So everybody's making a big deal about that. And the fact that there's two brothers playing in it and they're both on opposing teams as well. One brother plays for the Chief. One brother plays for the Eagles. So this is a first for a whole lot of stuff going on with this Super Bowl. Right? But that's not what I wanted to bring up when I wanted to talk about when I mentioned that with the two uh, persons of color playing in the Super Bowl quarterbacks. What I wanted to bring up is the fact that even today, 21st century, 2023, we're still having first when it comes to black people doing things. Something's wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with that picture that when somebody black does something and it's the first one that did it, that today we're like, oh, I can't believe it's the first. I can't believe it's the first. Black people have been here for how, how long? Did they did they just show up on the planet? No. But the fact that for so many years they have been kept out of so many things that now that the doors are opening, or let's put it this way, God is opening the doors because he's letting everybody have their due. Now that the doors are being opened and people are starting to recognize that other people, Uh, Hello, other people have talent too, you know. Other people have capabilities. Other people can do things. It's it's just beyond me. And I, I guess it leaves me speechless from a person who knows that all she does is speak. That leaves me speechless. Because I guess I'm tired of always saying, oh, this is an historic feat. The first black, come on now. And I know we should be happy and we should be celebrating but it kind of it's kind of disheartening and it could just go with the mood that I'm in today about not wanting to do anything and just tired of I guess I'm tired of that. I'm tired of everything just now coming to. Oh, we have you've always had you just never gave it recognition. So I'm just going to put it out there like that. You have always had these people didn't just appear on the planet and oh, my God, they're so miraculous. We've always been here and we've always been miraculous. Yeah, I said it. But it also brings to mind because something just happened to me the other day. And this story I am going to share with you. And I'm like, this is what blew my mind. I'm like, this is still happening. You still trying to get over with this crap. So I'm going to share this story and I'm not going to disparage the establishment that did it to me, but I'm going to put it out there for everyone to pay attention when you go and do things. Right. So. I went in for my usual eye exam. You know, you get a a yearly eye exam and I do wear reading glasses. So because I'm on the computer all the time and for years of being on a computer, my eyesight now when it comes to looking at things on a computer or even reading fine print, I can't. So 
I went to get my usual routine eye exam for new glasses. Now, everyone knows what's included in an eye exam, right? You've had them for years. Anyone that goes to get an eye exam, you know what's included. Even if you don't wear glasses, you know what's included in an eye exam. They make you read the board, right? Those tiny, tiny little letters on the bottom. And this is from a child. You remember this. The only part you probably don't remember from a child is they never used to dilate your eyes as a child. But when you used to have to do, when you had to do the eye exam when you were younger, you always had to read that board with the big giant E at the top and then down in the bottom with the ZX. They always put the letters that had the funny shapes at the bottom. So you couldn't really recognize them if you re- if you squinted. Is that a Z or is X? Is it a Y? They always put those at the bottom. And I guess they do that for a reason. But I never really dove, you know, dived into it to see the reason why. But anyway, I go for my eye exam. And like I said, you know, you got to read the board, big, big, gigantic E on the top. You're reading, they're changing it with the lenses. Oh, is this blurry? Which one looks clearer? Which one looks better? Blah, 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 blah. Back and forth, back and forth, right? Then, of course, they look in your eye with the pupils, right? They're looking behind your eye, the whole spiel. Then it comes to the dilation, and that's where they drop these, they put these drops in your eyes makes your eyes super blurry, can't see a thing in front of you. Then they wait for your pupils, I guess, to expand so that they can really look in the back of the eye to see what's going on. All well and good. Routine, like I said, nothing changed with that. That's what you do when you go to eye exam. I went to this eye place, never had been there before. This is my first time. They were so reputable. I said, oh, let me try them. Walking distance from where I work. Very simple, and I should have now, in hindsight, which they say is 2020, stay with what you know. So I go to this new place, right? Well, they're so nice. They're super nice, super, super nice, right? They're like doting all over you. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really nice. Still, I'm like, why? But it's just an idea. But they're doting, right? So there's a part on the form that you fill out that says if you want pictures like photography of your eyes done it costs fifty dollars right i'm like i don't need any pictures of my eye you know whatever you could see see it whatever you can't see you don't need to take a photograph some super whatever whatever it is so i get in there and then the doctor's talking to me and she's like oh yeah we could take the photographs i was like no i don't think that's necessary and you know if they thought there was something wrong with my eye you know you could do it that way blah 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 so as we're going through she's doing whatever so when it comes to the dilation she says well, you know, if you want to do the dilation, and I should have known when they asked for my health care card when I went to the eye doctor. I'm like, eye place never asked me for my health care card before. Why? Why do you need my health care card? Here's the catch. Oh, well, you know, if you do the photographs, if we put your, we bill your insurance for the photographs, then you don't have to pay for it. And then, you know, you could do the dilation on that day when you come back and your health care provider will take care of it. Hmm. Really? So me, I'm like, all right, well then, yeah, okay. You already have my insurance, whatever. I'll come back another day and I'll do the dilation. So I went off to work. Now, mind you, I was in the store for practically two hours because after I had my exam, it took me just that long to figure out which glasses I want because I have to have just the right frames on my face. Although they're reading glasses and I shouldn't be so particular, I have to have, to me, if I have people sitting in front of me and I'm talking to them and I have to put my glasses on and I need to read, I need to look 
I need to look chic when I have my glasses on, even though I'm trying to read something. That's just me. Don't, don't, don't get any old whatever. So I'm now I'm deciding, should I get one pair or two pair? Because normally I buy two pair because I like one downstairs, one upstairs when I'm in the house. I don't want to have to keep running up and down steps to find some glasses because I need to read something. So I always keep a pair in the kitchen because that's where the fine print whenever you're trying to read something. And then I always keep a, a pair upstairs on the nightstand. So I'm standing there. Now, mind you, I'm there for an hour. I could have had my eyes dilated, checked, and everything else. A whole hour trying to pick out these frames. I finally decide which ones I want. So then I go back to the whole thing with the dilation. So then the, the receptionist at the front desk, she's like, oh, so I see you're not going to get the dilation today. I said, well, no, the doctor was saying, you know, come back, make another appointment. She'll do the dilation with the, you know, the photographs and the health insurance will take care of the photographs or whatever. Me not knowing that if you don't get the dilation when you're doing your exam, then you're liable. You have to pay for that dilation. But if you do it with the exam, the eye insurance picks up all of whatever the coverage is for everything that you have done. Okay. Fast forward to yesterday. I go to the eye doctor. I get in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm here for my dilation and some photographs or whatever. Oh, well, Miss Edwards, we have to report to you that your health insurance is not going to pick up the premium, you know, the the bill for paying for the, you know, the photographs or whatever. So, you know, I said, well, then I didn't want the photographs anyway. The doctor said she wanted them, but I didn't want them. So it's no big deal. I'll just do the dilation. Oh, well, now there's going to be a charge for your dilation because you didn't get it done on your day. You know, it was like my head did the exorcist. I was like, what? Wait, what did you just say? So she says, well, because you didn't get the dilation done with your first exam, you now have to pay out of pocket for your dilation. I said, no, I don't. And this is how I am so, I am so thankful that God has really taken over the power of my tongue <laughs> because anybody that knows me knows that the old Kenya, the one that I stuff in the closet that I put that padlock on to keep boarded up so she doesn't come out. She would have lit into this. She would have lit into that receptionist because it was the same receptionist that I was talking to when I was first about to make the appointment because I told them I could take the dilation today. It's not a big deal. I'm already here. I'm not in a rush. Oh, well, no, just wait. So now I'm back there today and now she's, oh, well, you know, it's going to be. And I'm like, no, it's not. I said, you need to go back there and talk to that doctor because I'm not paying for something that my eye insurance could have picked up when I was first here. Why were you pushing me to take it later? I don't know. That's not on me, nor do I care. But I'm getting it done and I'm not paying. I said, because I could have had it done the first time around. And now you're telling me I have to be responsible for something that I didn't push off? I don't think so. So I sat down and that was my piece. And the whole time while I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, you know you're going to have to handle this because you know you don't want your daughter to go off. You know you don't want your daughter to do that. That would be a bad look for you and her. Handle this. You see what they're doing, right? And I always warn people, when I pray about situations that are going on with me, it's fine. You know, you pray and you ask God, handle this. Like David used to do, God, handle this. He used to be, God, kill him. I don't say God kill them, but I do say God handle this. You see what they're doing. But I always tell people, if I ever say your name in a God, do you see what 
blank, blank, blank is doing, you're really going to be in trouble because now I'm pinpointing his attention to you. It's going to be like a, a laser beam on you because that's the way I'm praying the prayer. Of course, you know, she goes in the back. She comes out about three minutes later. I don't know what they were discussing, nor do I care. Because I was already having a discussion, and that was the most important discussion to me. She goes in the back. She comes back out. Well, Miss Edwards, because um, I don't know, maybe the doctor thought that you didn't have time to do the dilation. We, you know, she said we're going to just waive the fee for the dilation. And I looked at her. I was like, mm-hmm, okay. But in my mind, I was like, of course you're going to waive the fee. What are you, crazy? Then it brought to my attention, okay, I went back there. It was another doctor. I said, I didn't see her. I saw somebody else. They was like, oh, yes, well, you can see this one. I'm like, mm-hmm. You don't even want me to confront the one that gave me the, the flim-flam the first time. So I go to the new doctor, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, I see. You know, we're going to waive the fee. I said, yeah, as you should, because I could have done it the first day. She's like, oh, well, I don't know the whole particulars. I said, no, and you really don't have to. We can just do this so I can go. So I go outside waiting for my, my pupils to open up. So there's a young African-American lady sitting at the table, young girl. Now, she heard the whole conversation. She heard everything going on. So as everybody was on the side helping other people, doing blah, 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 doing whatever they do. And, of course, you know, there's not many people of color that come to this place. And I'm I'm emphasizing this for a reason, okay? So I talked to her, and I said, you know what? I'm going to just say this to you, but I don't appreciate what just went down. And she looked at me. She says, yeah, I know. I said, because... I could have done what I needed to do on the day of and everything would have been taken care of. I said, but I don't appreciate the fact that they're trying to push off a procedure that can be taken care of already to put it on another insurance for them to have to handle it only to tell me that my insurance doesn't handle it. And now I'm liable for it. I said, I don't like the way that looks. And I'm not really feeling very good about this establishment right now. And she just looks at me because it's her job. What could she say? But she looks at me and she says, you know what, Miss Edwards, I totally understand everything you're saying to me. So then it came to me as I'm sitting there. How many other people of color have they done this to? How many other people of color have they done that to? That some people just, you know, they're just like, oh, OK, well, yeah. And they might be, you know, pressed for time. And, you know, they might just be pressed for time. And they're like, OK, yeah, here's my my health insurance card. But what? But I'm sure when they're billing the health insurance, what price are they billing the health insurance for a dilation that you can get with your eye insurance that is to no cost because the eye insurance covers it? That's what makes me, you know, like what's really going on here? But like I said, I'm not going to mention the establishment. All I'm going to mention to everyone is pay attention to when you go into these healthcare facilities, anything that you're doing. If they're asking for certain insurances that you know, well, what does this have to do with anything? And when I asked them, when they said, oh, can I have your, your health insurance cards? Like, what does that have to do with my eyes? My eye insurance covers everything. Oh, no, well, in case you have pink eye and we have to send a prescription. And they give you this whole scenario as to why they need the extra information. But I'm just saying, putting it out there, pay attention to what's going on when people are asking you for this information and that information. Ask them, what are you really using this information for? And what are you really trying to do with all this? And it, I would have never known had I not been put in this situation. I thought it kind of strange when they asked me for my health card. But I was like, eh, whatever. I know everything is being covered under the eye insurance anyway. But this whole thing of with the dilation and everything, 
Make sure whatever you're supposed to get under the insurance that you're getting, that you're using, you get it. Don't let them push it off on something else because I'm thinking, what is this? Do you do it to everyone or do you just do it to people of color? Because now that I'm thinking there was other people in the office, they got their dilations. No, they didn't look like me, but they got their dilations that same day. So that's what made me jump to the, oh, is this only happening to people of color? And yeah, and I know you're probably saying, oh, everything that happens to you isn't because of the color of your skin. Yeah, it may not be. But if you're in my skin, yeah, you're going to second guess everything that happens to you. I'm sorry. And it's not like I'm walking around paranoid either, because sometimes that's exactly what it is. It's happening to me because of the skin that I'm in. So I'm just bringing it to everyone's attention and not just people of color. Everyone, because anybody could be scammed in in the way that this thing is happening. But I'm really telling people of color, pay attention to what's going on when they're asking you for certain information pertaining to yourself. That ends op-ed. And I see my time is growing short, but of course, God would have me to give you the word of the month, which is dedicated, right? Devoted to a task or a purpose. And our promise for this week is Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I say with that, everyone have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl if you're going to watch it. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. Just a little love.